Hello and welcome to Star Trek Discovery Pod, a sometimes funny and we're trying to be smart podcast covering all things new and classic Trek. I'm your current acting captain, Mariah Gossett. With me on the view screen, we have... Jesse, hello. Hi, Jesse Gender <laughs> is my name. And YouTube and my game? Okay, I'm going to yes. stop. <laughs> no, that's perfect. We love that on this podcast. Nothing better than either a bad pun or a fumbled introduction. Oh, well, then you, you are going to love me because that's basically 90% of my personality. Uh, perfect. <laughs> and? And I am Aaron. Uh, Aaron is my name and <laughs> science is my game. Yes. <laughs> Already off to a perfect start. Um, tonight we're just going to have a good old fashioned nerdy little hangout. We're going to talk about some Star Trek. We're going to talk about what else we're watching and enjoying right now in our little gap of time here. We're also going to get into some really cool projects that Jesse and Aaron are working on. And of course, I know I have some questions from our listeners and live stream watchers for Aaron about some science questions in regards to Uh-oh. Star Trek. <laughs> so we <laughs> shall see what we get into but just a couple of reminders you can subscribe to the podcast on apple spotify wherever you're listening to this you should also tell your friends about it and you should subscribe on youtube so that you can watch the live streams uh all the links and everything are at startrekpod.co and if you are watching us live tonight pop those questions in the chat you can use capital p-o-d capital pod in the chat so that we can kind of note that that is a question for us And uh, not just y'all chit-chatting with each other, which we also encourage you to do. So, uh, Aaron, I know you've been on the pod before, but I thought we would start with uh, Jesse. I have a couple of questions I love asking everyone when they come on the pod. Uh, And the first is, what was your gateway into Star Trek? I adore answering this question because I still don't think anyone's beaten me. And I think I've claimed the weirdest entry to Trek. Aaron, I don't even know if you've heard this story. I don't know if I've heard this story. I'm very excited now. <laughs> I, I, am, I, I think I have the weirdest one. And that's because uh, my parents used to be, well, they are divorced. And so on weekends, I would have to drive an hour to my dad's house. So he would come and pick me up and they meet somewhere in the middle. And he'd always like play something on the way back to his house. Uh because we just didn't talk because it was always a Friday and we were tired. Uh, so one week he came in and had the Star Trek Nemesis audiobook. Uh, mm. And he just listened to the audiobook for Star Trek Nemesis. And that stuff had like sound effects and music. And so I listened the hell out of that. I like stole it from him. I think I still have it. It was a library loan. So I think I still have the library <laughs> version of the Star Trek Nemesis audiobook. Sorry, Listen. local public library. <laughs> yeah, apologies. My my aunt who's a librarian will come after me. Will hunt me. There's 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 a lone librarian. It's like a it's like what's that movie where it's just it follows. There's like a librarian just slowly coming yeah. towards me. Coming at me. <laughs> in the shadows you don't even know i mean jesse i think there might be someone behind oh, you right now. <laughs> um but yeah so he played that and then gets better it gets better so i love the crap out of that and my dad saw that i loved the crap out of that audiobook and it's nemesis right so it's like the last movie it's like the end of their journey uh and i and it's also not great so it's like this weird like i have no <laughs> idea what's happening but it's emotional i love it don't know who Shinzon is, but I'm sure he's a great guy. Uh, and then um, and then he bought me to like continue my Star Trek journey season seven of Star Trek The Next Generation on DVD. So that starts me off at Descent Part 2, which is <laughs> Next Generation. You can really watch any episode out of order as you want because that show is like very episodic, except for I think that episode particularly <laughs> because it's like it's got Hugh, it's got the Borg, it's got lore. It's just it's a part two. It's a I, so I just watched them like oh, this is wonderful. I have no idea what's happening. And <laughs> it was wonderful. So that's how I got into Star Trek. And then I started watching Star Trek Enterprise because that was the one that was week to week when I was uh when I was a kid. So that's where I went. So yeah, it was a uh, I think the weirdest way into Star Trek and I sort of backed into the good stuff. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is so incredible. Um, the other question I like asking folks is what is your current favorite Trek memory? Cause that's not always like how you got into Star Trek, oh. but I always like knowing a current favorite Trek memory. I mean, my current favorite one, I think is just probably mission Chicago, which is where I think I physically met Aaron uh, for the first time. But like that, that, um, that whole time at Miss Chicago was like the first time I got to be completely surrounded by Trekkies. Like I've met Trekkies here and there throughout my life, but 
you know, it was always fairly online or just like one-off people here and there. That was the first time I got to be surrounded by just Trekkies. Um, and it was an absolute joy. And I had so much fun. Um, kind of got overwhelmed because I got to meet like some people who I've looked up to for such a long time. And then they happened, some of them happened to know me from my own YouTube channel, which is way too much. I could not handle that at all. Um, so yeah, so it was that, that I think is my, my favorite memory. Cause it was just, I, I don't think I've ever experienced something so like fun and joyous than, than that, at least in the recent past. So that was a great weekend. That. Yeah, really. yeah, I still haven't done a con yet. That's like been on my list for a while. Um, and uh, I, I work at like pod, like at the documentary space mostly in podcasting. And so mm-hmm. my schedule is always just like really crazy. And it's always people being like, are you going to go? Are you going to go? And I'm just like, probably not. <laughs> I'm, so upset, I'm so upset because uh, they were supposed to have uh, it Seattle. in Seattle, which is where I live currently. And I was like, no, then they canceled it for whatever reason. But it was just like, I was like, no, I wanted that. It was right here. It was so close that it so slipped close. through my fingers. <laughs> I know. I was also very sad. I'm originally from um, the Pacific Northwest and from British Columbia. So I was just like, oh, I could like twofer. I could like go to this thing and then go see family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. May's usually a little bit of a slower time, but sad alas, face. Alas. Denied. Uh, denied. Request denied. Um, and then I have a question for both of you that I wanted to ask, which is if you could be a member of any culture or species from Star Trek and you would appear as that on the show. I know, Aaron, you've already been technically on the show. (laughs) As a boring human. I guess we assume. We assume. Yeah, we assume. I didn't see any weird nose ridges or anything. No fun uh, fun things. But if you could appear as as anyone who, any kind of person, who would you want to be on on a Trek show? I mean, I love the, I don't know if I want to be a Klingon. I also want like, to like, go through the prosthetics of it. Like, yeah, but I also don't want to like culturally appropriate Klingons. But mm. like, I feel like the the Jadzia Dax tangential association with Klingons is like a perfect line. So maybe so if... a trill who's been a Klingon in a past life. Well, yeah, or like who had <laughs> Klingon friends, or like mm. maybe I'm just a human who has a ton of Klingon friends, like <laughs> and, and do a lot of Klingon stuff together. Um, Cause I just, I, yeah, there's something about that culture. I mean, I'm always drawn to it, right? It's like Ren Faire's got like Vikings and pirates and like Klingons just kind of fall right into that. I'm like, those are the, those are the crowd I want to hang out with. I, I could quite literally see you just screaming, don't get between me and the blood wine. I can literally see you yelling that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Very fitting. What about you, Jesse? Uh, mine's an easy answer. I mean, I, I, my second favorite species is Andorians because I just love them so much, um, especially in books because they have four genders and that's just cool to me. But the easy answer for me is trills. I just think trills are cool. cool. Yeah. Just badass and, and get to have fun. And then also have a slightly messed up society that I can come and be like, no, stop that. Let's fix this up. None of your weird like judgy uh shit going on here and your weird mystical <laughs> pools and nonsense all right <laughs> let's fix that up but yeah no i i, I always i mean I'm just because i'm drawn to jadzi as a character but also i just like i like the a culture that's like really about exploring identity like even in star trek discovery um uh in the episode forget me not i think it was the name of the episode um was the where we got to see the true home world there and like seeing mm-hmm. just how they explore identity and, and self in a really cool way um so i it's that just resonates with me always so yeah trill easily yeah i think i i also really like the trill i'm also a person who's already covered in tattoos so the idea that that's like something that's sort of just like Like automatically yeah Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. a part of who you are um so i i think that's really interesting and the concept of being able to like learn from so many other potential cultures and people and and just like i don't know i think it's really cool to be able to develop all of that knowledge yeah, it's it's interesting because it's one of those like we we get to see little pieces of the trill society of trill society, but usually as it relates to symbiotes. And I'm always someone who's uh would love to like learn more about that culture sans that, mm. uh, yeah. just to like see like what what does this culture value? Mm. Uh, when you have like these like thing these people in your society that just have these ancestral memories so like what does it mean what does it say to societies like do they value ancestors do they do they value them less what do they what do they think about like 
oral histories and storytelling. I guess I think there's so many things you could explore with that culture that that's only been hinted at that I, I just always would like love to explore in a really cool way. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, Okay. I think we have a couple of questions. I collected a few that deal with some science of Star Trek, and I'm sure some more will pop up in the chat. Um, But one from MagMag, they asked, a storyline that you were potentially most impressed with that matched actual science? Ooh, like across... It was Star a Trek in general. I think in general, yeah, it could be okay, one maybe I, that you've worked on if that helps narrow it down. But anything in no, general. No, yeah. I do have a story for that, and I'm going to quickly look up the quote. And I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say I'll just I'll, I'll, I love it when they slingshot around the sun and it makes them time travel. I think yeah. that that that's total science. <laughs> I believe that that's science. I'm gonna. There I'll answer. Go. I'll. I'll just answer the questions for you, Doc. I got the. I got the science stuff. I got it for you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. That's all I'm looking for. Um, no, the, the quote I'm looking up is from. Uh, anyway, it was from the original series, and I believe it aired. It was an episode that aired in '67 or '68, and Captain Kirk talks about encountering a void in the like a dark void in space time, I think is how he phrased it. That's why I was trying to get the exact mm-hmm. language. Right. Um, and what's interesting with that is that was the same year that the term black hole was coined. Whoa. Right. So it was That's like, cool. we had like the physics of black holes had kind of been postulated, but no one had like coined that term and really started exploring it. And then literally, like, the same year that that was established in scientific canon, like, Kirk in dialogue came as close as we had ever seen to actually describing what a black hole was. He just never said the exact black hole. But, yeah, like, across all of Star Trek, that is my favorite. So close. Like, it's almost chicken and the egg. Like, what came first, you know, because they were so in parallel of coming out that, yeah, I love it. That's so That's cool. So, that is so amazing. Uh, okay. I love sharing that fact. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> um, Wizzy, <laughs> Wizzy, oh. back. Space fireworks. How do they work? <laughs> I oh, th- th- didn't. I te- did. I text you this or I messaged you this with that episode. Air. I was like, how does that work? <laughs> many people messaged me <laughs> i'm sorry if this is traumatic no it's okay i mean one thing to make abundantly clear is i might be the science advisor for the entire star trek franchise but that doesn't mean they come to me with stuff <laughs> and particularly in post-production and i think like um visually it looks cool but there is an element of needing to oxidize the chemicals <laughs> which requires an atmosphere i was like maybe they're not even like really fireworks what if it's like space lasers you know like (laughs) this is where we yes and the process Mm -hmm, right if mm -hmm. they if they did come to me and they were like we're gonna have fireworks um i yeah i would absolutely be like okay we can have because you you know there is like when ships for example explode they do explode like there are flames but that's because of the oxygen that's provided from the ship and so like there are ways to have it's just that they're short-lived you know it's going to quickly burn out and so you would want to find ways to like sustain reactions so if you're able to have like a sustainable chemical reaction that didn't require oxygen um I would have to think more about that to be honest I (laughs) haven't because I was just like oh god (laughs) I'm so sorry. I'm you so know, sorry. I mean, honestly, it looked very pretty. I it was did like, look ooh, great. pretty light. Cool. <laughs> the graphics team and post-production and special effects, everyone did a really great job. Um, it, it looked awesome. Um, so, yeah, on behalf of science, haven't quite figured it out yet, but it's a good motivation for me to actually come up with a real answer for that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, there's been so much in Star Trek that, you know, cannot be explained by science. And now we have these things, you know, things like uh, the iPads, iPhones, uh, talking to a computer, you know, we had to figure yeah. all this out eventually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so exactly. One day we'll have space fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You can dream. You can dream. I still, I still, my favorite thing with iPads though is like the still in TNG where they would have like a different pad for every book. Yeah. So there's like a pile of pads on their desk. <laughs> still my favorite thing. <laughs> it's like 
the amount of documents that a single pad, even back to like the OG e-readers, yeah, you yeah. still would not need eight to ten pads. <laughs> to I mean, the way documents. Picard reads, I could believe it. He's just like, yeah, it just needs like, like Riker's just like, how many books are you reading, Sean? God dang. <laughs> <laughs> that Kindle is full. um and then a question i had was what was a puzzle that maybe the picard team brought to you this season that you had the most fun sort of working on and figuring out Ooh, oh that's a good question also i just came up with a brilliant explanation for the number of pads that you have the analogy is tabs on a browser Uh, that's why you have dozens of pads because they're in abundance and yes on a single web browser i can look up anything i want but it's much more convenient to have dozens of tabs open i get that as someone as someone who has like piles of books for my research like i can't read online i always have to buy the book i can never do the ebook i get it i get it yeah yeah yeah. So anyway, um, in terms, where of is the... my Reddit pad? <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of the Picard uh, season three, I think it was early on in the season. I'm trying to remember the exact language um, where Seven was talking about the infiltration of the internal systems. Like they were, maybe Jesse or or Mariah can help me with this, but they picked up a type of gas that we picked from canon that like they had died from. Oh, I Oh yeah. This. When yeah. the changeling like puts Jack yeah. in the chamber. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. this gas is leaking and they have to wear the face things. Exactly. And like, I'm so sorry. I don't remember the phrase. I don't remember I did, the phrasing either. Time ago. This is <laughs> yeah, always, like, yeah. always a fun adventure for me when the shows actually air. Cause I'm like, You're like Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? Yeah. <laughs> but I do remember with that one, like really going through canon and really trying to figure out like the exact systems and like how that would work and if that would be toxic but not necessarily kill people. And like, yeah, that that was pretty fun. So that was a fun adventure I had. <laughs> Love that. Okay. We'll see if anything else pops up in the chat. But for now, I wanted to talk a little bit about um one of my uh, favorite things about Star Trek and sci-fi in general, and I think this will tie into our conversation later about the project y'all are working on, is just like the ability for sci-fi to sort of reflect the the values and provide commentary on like the space that we exist in currently. And, um, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why like I love Star Trek Discovery so much. I think it does like a really incredible job of sort of encapsulating a lot of the conversations that we see happening in the world and um i wanted to ask y'all if there was any particular and it, and it can be outside of star trek but any um story that you might recommend that you think is pertinent to what's sort of going on right now or something that you've really enjoyed lately um i was motivated to watch bar association from deep space nine again because mm-hmm. of the writer strike mm-hmm. <laughs> and um and that oh it's a great, honestly, rewatching it might have moved it into my top five Deep Space Nine episodes. It is such a great episode. But just this exploration of like labor laws and workforce and how that is like to watch people realize that like as workers, they have rights mm-hmm. and they do hold a position of power, even though we are taught that we don't. You know, like we're taught, like we're not in charge. It's the term boss, right? They're Mm -hmm. in charge of us. And then realizing that we do have power to stand up to those bosses and refusing to work is actually a very good way to show them how important we are to their business. And that if we don't work, if they don't treat us well, then their business falls. And that episode, I think, with Rom's sort of understanding of labor rights and how and how messy it can get with like he gets offered a bribe right like court comes to him and he's like i'm just gonna give you a ton of latinum if you make this go away Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then to have like brunt fca show up and like lean on quark and like and say like look you have your business because then those bosses have bosses right and they're Mm -hmm. being told you need to squash this i just yeah bar association i mean yeah science 
it's hard because it's not one of those stories that like needs the science fiction allegory mm-hmm. in order to be told, right? It is a story that we can tell and we all relate to. But I think it's just it drives it home when it comes from left field when you're like, oh, yeah. Well, that's what I like about Deep Space Nine specifically. And this would kind of get into my answer, but just mm-hmm. focus on this this one is that like Deep Space Nine does such a good job of flipping Star Trek on its head in a ways that like I, I don't think like I'm I'm writing a video now where I'm going to like I'm doing a deep dive on Deep Space Nine. And the thing that I talk about is like how much Deep Space Nine flips Star Trek on its head in a way that I don't think people really talk enough about yet in that. Like if you look at TNG, the way that TNG and a lot of other Star Treks work is they sort of otherize different cultures a lot of ways to be able to try to teach about them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get like episodes like the one I always go to, that's an easy one for me, is like The Outcast, which was an episode from TNG that was supposed to be about homosexuality, but kind of like weirdly backed into trans allegory because they thought, oh, non-binary aliens, what a crazy idea. Um, this can't some, exist. Yeah, yeah, that's such a strange, wacky, weird they thing. Don't- fit in the gender binary oh my god um but but that episode was like very otherizing of like queer folks non-binary folks generally um in a way that's meant to be sympathetic but ultimately is is otherizing you see that going back to the original series too when they did like the like half black on one side half white on the other side whereas like otherizing race relations and a lot of times they can get things a lot wrong like the power dynamics they got wrong in that episode in the original series let that be your last battlefield the outcast has some stuff that i really like in terms of like getting its pronouns right like having pronouns discussions things like that but then it like accidentally says like hey queer conversion therapy is a thing that's possible in weird science fiction land and it's like that's not cool star trek um but when you get to deep space nine it kind of reverses that and it lets like the people who are othered get to tell stories about literal things so you get like cisco uh expressed like he is an outsider within star trek literally telling picard to go like like f off in uh (laughs) in his uh in the first episode and so he's like an outsider of the Star Trek world, but then he gets to talk about like being an outsider of Federation society and also being a black man and what it means to be a black man today, but also in relationship to where humanity has been in numerous ways and where it was at the time the show came out. Um, mm-hmm. And so you go to Bar Association. And what's so cool about that is it like you have these Ferengi characters who have been othered as like this like like capitalist metaphor. And they get to learn about literal workers' rights issues, literally quoting Karl Marx in that episode. Um, and, and and it shows how they like can learn those things. I think that why that episode is so awesome uh, is because it does sort of like, it's a good way to introduce people to exactly what you were saying, Aaron. It's like what how workers' rights work and how workers actually do have power. Because that's like, that's a thing that because we're all programmed in a capitalist world, uh, put a a coin in the jar for whenever i talk about capitalism <laughs> um it's like uh it's gonna be a hot topic tonight exactly uh it, it it it's we we don't necessarily see all of that because it's so ingrained and indoctrinated in a lot of the ways the world tells us to think about capitalism and so like that show by taking the other and making it expressly uh like about the issues today i think it like flips star trek in its head in a cool way and that's that's why I'm writing about Deep Space Nine, and that would be my answer with Deep Space Nine. Just generally, I think the way that I'm writing about it, just from my perspective, is I think it's a very queer show, mm-hmm. and not because there are a lot of queer characters in it, though you can read a lot of queerness into it, like Jetsia Dax being a trans character and numerous other things uh, in that show. Changelings could also be read as like gender fluid in a lot of different ways, and in an interesting way that's complicated and sometimes problematic. Um, but when I say it's queer, I think about like how things like fascism uh or things like that are very much about like how people are used so i'll mm-hmm. stop ranting i rant a lot so please no, no, I'm, like, no. I love uh, yeah. I'm here for it <laughs> no and and i agree with you i think it's like one of the reasons why i think like deep space nine i think of a lot of the 90s era trek as mm-hmm. much as i am a voyager girl like there's so much that holds up and i think is still applicable and like mm-hmm. I, you know it's sad that so much history repeats itself that you're just like, dang, this is still so like on point to what is going on. Mm-hmm. And and I think you're right, Jesse, in saying that like it was queer in its story approach in some ways, right? Because yeah. it is like allowing the folks who have so often been the the people we're viewing to actually be like, oh, I'm going to flip this on you. And now you have to view how I'm viewing everything. Right. Exactly. It's not, it's about how the, the societies don't 
fit them. And so how do they make, how do they make their own society, their own family, their own community outside of that and actually prove that they're just as good, if not better than the jerks over on the enterprise D who get to be all perfect and run the flagship. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's a great answer. And we, and we always have to remember that O'Brien is a union man. I've he loved seeing all of, the, <laughs> all of the memes during the writer's strike. Um, yeah, my sign. My sign is literally, if people have seen that floating around, it might, you might not have been able to tell it was me, but I definitely have a sign that is a picture of Chief O'Brien. And it says he was more than a hero. He was a union man. Yeah, <laughs> love, I love it. That. Um, Most important man in Starfleet. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, that's part of the reason, you know, I've been thinking a lot since like post Picard and I'll put the asterisk of like, I of course enjoyed Picard for what Picard was. And like, I had a great time. And the other thing is someone who makes content media storytelling, like one making anything right now is really freaking hard. I always like <laughs> put that as my asterisk is like, it's incredible that anything gets made at all. And it takes so many people, but, um, I I get uh, sad when things like Discovery is only going to get one more season. And I'm like mm-hmm. so excited um, to see, you know, what we're going to get this season with Strange New Worlds. I know we just got uh, some preview images of our of our beloved Lower Deckers going for their crossover. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm, I'm just so excited. I love Tawny Newsom and Jack Quaid. I like cannot wait to see them IRL in uniform <laughs> um, and not just like on a con panel for funsies. Um <laughs> But I think what has felt so lovely about a lot of the new Trek series has been like the actual representation of the folks that we have seen, right? Like we don't have to read as something as queer coded because they are just Mm -hmm. queer characters and like seeing these folks in charge that we've not seen in charge in so long or haven't had the same space taken up. And so, um, I don't know, for me, things like discovery are so important. And I think a lot of the like dialogue that we see online can feel kind of toxic and i know jesse you're very familiar with this also y'all jesse has an incredible like three plus hour (laughs) breakdown of picard (laughs) that you should go watch (laughs) thank you very much i'm very proud of that i had thoughts after that season i just needed to write so (laughs) yes and and i will just say like double tap like you know i was like "Mm, yes correct yes um i i think it's been really refreshing and i think sci-fi has been this space for so like Folks often equate being someone who's like involved in Star Trek or into sci-fi is like, that's like an othering of a community, right? And so Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, the others finally get all of our other others on TV, Mm -hmm. finally, right? Um, So I just wanted to ask if there is any particular character from like the newer franchises that you've really connected with and and, and maybe Aaron, if there's one that you really love getting to um, kind of incorporate into the, the plot lines that you get to work on. I'll let Jesse go first. Oh, uh, well, I think there's there's two. Uh, the first and foremost one that resonates most with me is Tendi. Tendi mm-hmm. is like I adore her to death because uh, she's just she captures everything that I love about Star Trek is, is just like a single character where she is so earnestly like kind and excited and just wants to care about others. And yet if you do something wrong, she will be the first one to like freak out and like, just like, like, no, not okay. Uh, And, and yet she's also like uh, just very like excited, sometimes overly excited uh, and, and will want that for everybody. She wants like everyone to be as excited as she is and as happy as she is in a way that's like brings them in rather than is just like trying to force people to, to be that. Um, like there's been a few episodes where like sometimes she does try to force people to do that. And then she learns like, Oh, that's not the thing, but no, she just, she's always there to like show people how to, to see the brighter side of things. And I think that that is just everything that I want to be as a person. Um, and, and what I try to bring to the work that I do and the things that I make, um, so just like Tendi just resonates with me on every level and the, the, like the entire Lower Decks cast just generally like I adore, like easily my favorite modern Star Trek show. No shade at the other ones. I love them all. Mm-hmm. But that one just in particular just captures my my heart in a particular way and Tendi very specifically. Um, and then another character just to kind of jump off what we were talking about and I'll keep this one quick is um, Angel from uh, strange new worlds i i want angel back so badly oh i i adore them so much because angel is what angel what i love angel for is because 
they they are a character that is earned in numerous ways. Not only are they fun and over the top and get to be villainous, but if I had saw that character appear in any other franchise like Star Wars or something, and I love Star Wars, but like they have not had a lot of queer representation. And so if they had like the first non-binary character they have is the over the top villainous camp villain, I've been like, this is a bit stereotypical. And I like, I love those characters. Like uh, we right. stand and see can a camp villain, but it's like, I want to see actual like good representation first. But what Star Trek has done a great job of doing is across all of its shows, uh, especially Discovery, most most mm-hmm. in, first and foremost, but all of them to a degree, is is have such a wide plethora of queer characters um, so that when we do have this one who gets to be the over the top camp villain, it doesn't feel like, oh, this is our one. It's like, oh, this is one of the spectrum of queer people. Um, and I think that if you had that character in any other uh, franchise it would have been something I would have criticized whereas in this franchise it's like no I just get to adore them and mm-hmm. just love the crap out of their over the top villainous performance and it was great so I adore yeah. Angel so much and yeah. I think I'm so glad you said that because I saw in the chat like people were asking about like um, you know beyond like deep space time but thinking about modern Trek and how mm-hmm. it reflects on our society and I think with um, what's interesting is that like discovery it became non-coded like they mm-hmm. just got to tell non-binary stories they got to tell queer love stories like they got to have characters who just existed and they didn't mm-hmm. have to be allegories and we didn't have to explore that and then like you said to have a villain whereas i think a perfect example is the deep space nine mirror universe where it's like ooh, evil kira is gay <laughs> exactly. I'd argue regular Kira probably is too. Awesome. Yes, but like, but to have this like right. the way she was portrayed as this like super evil and also gay and gay equal evil mm-hmm. and like the way that the mirror universe in Deep Space Nine was portrayed was not great, Bob. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I will say, I will say, I do stand the uh, the Worf Garrick BDSM stuff going on there. I am here. <laughs> Yeah, also, problematic too, but I'm here for it. <laughs> also, I would argue Garrick in Prime Universe would be down for it. Oh yeah, not so much, and that's more a reflection on it being Mirror Wharf than suddenly Gay. Wharf. I think <laughs> I I think I think I think Prime Wharf would be down for it. He just has not had it awakened in him. He is too vanilla. <laughs> but you saw you saw him with a uh, 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 what's her face in TNG, the, his uh, his child's mother. You saw him. Yeah. With her, he's yeah, like yeah. you it's know he just he's mom. a he's a he's he's a boy who has not explored himself enough yet to know that he would be very much down for it. I'm sorry, this got too Australian not to get more depressing. But I do feel if he had more time with Jadzia, then that would oh have been oh yeah, oh, we all remember you know the episode. He was like, all right, honey, we're trying something different tonight. Get under our giant fur blanket that they have from that one episode, and we're doing some fun things. <laughs> Just ignore the things on the wall for right now. We'll get to that later. Yeah, we'll, we'll get them later. Just we'll, we'll, we'll take it slow, honey. We're baby stepping here. Yeah, a thousand percent. But yeah, I mean, honestly, though, like, I do feel what's great is that modern Discovery has, or like modern Trek, but especially Discovery has allowed those stories to just not be coded and they just exist. Mm -hmm. And then they can then tell the fun stories where, hell yeah, we're going to get a badass villain. And oh, by the way, they're also non-binary. But like, the point is that we have a badass villain. (laughs) Yeah, I I always, we mentioned earlier, like the the toxic people who are just like, Star Trek Discovery, SJW. It's like, no, I, 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 I am, I will, fight to the death for star trek discovery because i adore that show so much it is it is messy sometimes it is far from perfect but i think it like it it always did the work of like trying to do something new try to do something different in a way that like boldly went like star trek always should Mm -hmm. and and try to just do like you know Star Trek Picard season three, you know, I have my thoughts on it. It's like, oh, the changelings are here. They're doing the same thing the changelings always do. The Borg are here. They're doing the same thing the Borg are always going to do. And it's not, and it's like nice to remember Barry's moments, mm-hmm. but ultimately like 
Discovery is the one that's like, yeah, we're going to have weird aliens outside the universe who are like 10 feet tall and thousands of years old and like talk through emotion dust. Like, I'm like, I love that. Why not? not? It's literally making magic. We're making things that like use your imagination. It's so much more fun. And I I always think of Discovery like as um, there's that meme on TikTok where it's just like she uh, walked. She strutted her stuff on the runway, Mama, so that Peppa could run. And I'm just like, this is so we can have everything else. <laughs> like exactly, yeah. and it does that with the non-coded character. Like, and and I also love Discovery too, because like as you're saying, Aaron's like they get to be non-coded, and yet they they get to tell trans and queer and you know i can't speak for these communities but i know like black folks as well are like get to feel represented and getting to have numerous characters different like people from different backgrounds getting to see different characters on that show uh and, and getting to see like a, actual infinite diversity and infinite combinations but also getting to like share stories like uh, i know ian alexander's character getting to like actually mention being transitioning and being trans in not a way that's like hi i'm the trans one today but offhandedly but then also having stories that are about identity as well and about being seen in a metaphorical way. So it's literal representation, but also stories that resonate with us as well. Um, and I think that that's, I think that that's very wonderful and beautiful writing and exactly where Star Trek needs to go. That's why I love and Discovery. I to what you were talking about, about the idea that like people's response, their visceral response to Star Trek Discovery mm-hmm. uh, and how it has been maligned for actually having the exact same themes that we have seen. And I would argue, like, I love, I love Burnham's journey to becoming Mm -hmm. her captain. Like, her journey to figure out who she is as a captain, I think is so well done. And I remember seeing where she finally had reached that point where it was like, I am a captain, this is how I do things. And she was Kirk. Like she mm-hmm. felt like Kirk and her approach was like, I am off the cuff. I am like violence first. <laughs> like I am, I, I fight, I solve problems. I am loyal to my crew. I defer to the people who know more than me. Like she is Kirk mm-hmm. and it is, and people refuse to even acknowledge her as a character and yet laud Kirk is this amazing captain and I'm like she has the exact same philosophy he does and it's the reason the reason is and it kind of goes back to what I was talking about with TNG and this is like I do a video about sex and sexuality and mm-hmm. Star Trek and I'm kind of building to this point over several videos but it's like the reason that people reject characters like Burnham but accept characters like Kirk is is because our society doesn't tell us to be able to identify with people who aren't the cis straight white dude and that's not hating cis straight white dudes but our society uh props that up as like the normal viewpoint that everyone should have like that's the that's like that's, that's the ob- fed for so yeah long. it's it's a yeah. it's the objective one it's the that's normal and everything is some version of abnormal uh whether people would say that people will expressly say that when they're being overly when they're being bigoted but whether they realize that or not that's what our society implicitly tells us so when people are forced to identify into a character that is different from them, especially people who have never been asked to identify with someone different from them, because, you know, many men aren't asked to identify into other characters because their stories haven't been told that way. They kind of get uncomfortable and don't wish to see the nuances of experience or who that is. And so they get uncomfortable. And instead of uh, anal- self-analyzing that uncomfort, they put it back on the thing that's making them uncomfortable and say, well, this is making me feel uncomfortable, so it must be something wrong with this. And then they'll 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 find reasons to hate the thing that isn't the thing that they want to say, which is like, I can't identify with this queer person, this black person, this whatever. So it's like, oh, there, there's too much explosions or yeah, there's da 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 and, and they'll nitpick it all to hell. But then when you look at Star Trek Picard season three, they they get to have that type of character that they can identify into. They're like their Jack mm-hmm. Crushers and their Picards. And then they'll ignore the same exact what they considered problems that were in Star Trek Discovery that are also in Picard. And I'm not even saying they're the problems. There's something some things that they call out as like problems that I don't care about mm-hmm. or I like. Um, but then they'll be like, yeah, this is great and perfect and the best show ever. It's like, but the problems that you were calling and nitpicking Star Trek Discovery for are still here. But the reason you're not noticing it is because you're not feeling discomfort because the show's not forcing you to see something from a new perspective. And that's why they they don't nitpick it all the hell. I think, too, it's interesting, like a lot of new Trek and, and it's something that I've enjoyed is like instead of seeing like these captains as fully formed captains, we're often 
watching people grow along the entire series, right? Mm-hmm. And it's also we we don't have 22 24 episode orders anymore and so it's like how are we fitting all of this character development in and it's like the show has to be the character development so it's like we can't just jump in and be like here's this confident fully formed captain like watching burnham's journey has been like one of my favorite things is to see those ups and downs and we're finally going to see this fully formed captain here um, I think we've seen for a while now, but we've gotten to go along the journey instead of these like flashback moments where we see like some more insights or the mm-hmm. backstories that come later. Um, and I think too, that's one of the reasons why I also love lower decks. It's like, oh, I am also a person who's not a fully formed human yet, who has not figured out <laughs> everything there is to know. So it's like nice to watch something where you're like, oh, like I am for sure a mariner in lots of situations where I go in with way too much confidence and I'm going to probably get a little burned and uh, a little bit of that chaotic bisexual energy. And then if you added just like a dash of Tilly, you've got Mariah, you know, like, mm-hmm. and I'm just and, like, oh, this, these are my people. <laughs> something too that you just reminded me of the reason I also love Lower Decks, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with Bar Association is it's the it's the like lower level, like it's it's the work, like the working Them class. working in buffer time because yeah, like, that's, yeah that, that was the exact episode like the people at the top being like you need to work buffer time you need to move 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 and not understanding its effects and thankfully in a star trek world people uh, starfleet people go like oh yeah maybe that was actually a terrible thing actually we won't do it uh we'll listen to boimler uh but um but like that is that's that is what that's about that if you're looking for like a political star trek story like temporal edict i think is very clearly one that like is a kind of workers right story but told within a Star Trek framework that is like not as expressly didactic as like Bar Association is where it's quoting Karl Marx, but it is that story. So, Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, it's interesting too thinking about with the, the, the strike of it all, you know, we see like the dangers of AI because things like peanut hamper can happen. So I don't know if y'all are aware, but somehow I managed to throw peanut hamper in every episode of this podcast <laughs> has come into existence. Um, um, I love peanut hamper. I love peanut hamper. And also technically... Um, isn't Peanut Hamper a, like an like a vert? No, or she is an AI. Everything else is a virtual intelligence. Is the distinction? Yeah. yeah, so. yeah. Um, so sorry, I had to get Peanut Hamper in Peanut there. Peanut Hamper is great. <laughs> I love um, it. I uh, I wanted to go back. Someone in the chat asked um, about time crystals and with Strange New Worlds coming up, and there's the idea of free will and determinism. And I don't know if y'all are. Um, I've been watching that series on Apple TV, The Big Door Prize. Um, mm. I don't know if y'all have checked that one out. But it's um, in synopsis, it's like people, there's this machine that's essentially telling people what their like potential is. And so they get these cards, with just like one word on them. So like one woman gets royalty, like another gets, li- but other people get like liar or hero. Mm. And it's, so wow. it's this, um, it's, a, I, I've really enjoyed the show so far, but it kind of reminds me of this conversation of the idea of free will and determinism, especially within Star Trek of just like, mm-hmm. if you know your future or your potential, right, how does that alter the way that you get there? And I, and I always think that's such an interesting thing going back into Strange New Worlds with uh, Pike's character and what and how he's going to act going through yeah. into the um, future. Question before we move on and actually answer your question is Big Door Prize, is that nonfiction or fiction? Sorry, I haven't heard about it. It sounds oh, amazing. Yeah. Like, it's, is it? Um, it, it's a. Uh, it's like it's based off a sci-fi book. Yeah. So. Oh, so it is like it's fictional. Yeah. It's yes. a fictional narrative. Fictional, okay. yeah. Also, it could totally also be, like a science experiment. You're like, <laughs> this is your potential. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. anyway, whether it was real or not, like, yeah, I was just curious. Anyway, uh, yeah, it sounds amazing. But I think because I'll hand it over to Jesse because I can't say too much, obviously, about <laughs> the future of Strange Worlds. But I did, I mean, oh, God, I love, I love, love Strange New Worlds. I'm so proud to be a part of that show. I think it's, like, all of these. But, like, honestly, Strange New Worlds is so good. And their finale of season one, I feel like, did one of the best jobs about addressing the idea of predeterminism and how someone handles that Mm -hmm. and the effect that that can have on their psyche, but also the timeline. So, like, in a in a science fiction way, it was exploring like, okay, you have a chance, like you can see where this goes if you mess with the timeline, but also like, let it be, 
you know, like at some point you're just going to have to like, not because the, the events that kicked off that episode was that he was actively trying to change the timeline. He was trying to write to this kid and tell them not to join Starfleet. And so the lesson he learned was just don't try to change anything. Like it's going to happen and you have to accept that. And I just thought, I love that. I love that episode. I love that. Sorry. <laughs> While I have the pulpit. Yes. The reason it. I love that episode so much is because people who have never seen the original series and never saw Balance of Terror watch it and they think Kirk doesn't know what he's doing. And people who have seen the original series are coming in and going like, oh, Pike is like not the right person for this. Like Pike is screwing this up every step of the way. And so the viewer experience for that is still fulfilling fulfilled like people don't feel like they're missing out on anything when they watch it but mm -hmm. it's different depending on what your experience of star trek is and i just oh such a good episode so yeah. good all right that episode is i adore that episode too i was like nerding the hell out as soon as i saw what that was i was like oh my god this is what they're doing so i loved it well i i always love i always love um predeterminism stories that uh and i'll share two that i i think you should if both of you should check out because they're two of my favorite things that I've seen and they're about pre free will and determinism. Um, but I always love free will and determinism stories that kind of end on this thing of like, even if you know your future, it, it, it's kind of goes to who you are as a person. And it kind of is like this conversation we have about free will in general, right? It's like, we might ultimately not have free will because everything has an equal and opposite reaction. And we're all just like the, we're all just the, you know, things from before us influencing what we're doing now. And so the choices that I made were just things that like uh, that's the end point of just things that have happened throughout all the universe to bring me to this point. Um, but at the end of the day, we have to act as if we have free will, because what does it matter? Otherwise, like we could get caught up and just being like, Oh, I don't have free will. I don't nothing like nothing that I do matters. Or you just like have to live your life and, and go about what, what you're going to do anyways, because that's the way we have to exist. And so I always like, I always like stories about free will and determinism that kind of end on that point, which is what the Pike story ultimately is, is like, this is what you're going to do, not because you know what's what's going to happen, but because of who you are inherently. And it's just, you know, that this is the choice that you're going to make because it's the right choice to make for who you are. Um, and for, for Pike specifically is the right choice overall morally as well. And so I think I, I really do like stories, uh, about free will. It just sort of comes down like maybe it's, maybe, maybe we don't, but at the end of the day, you just, it's about who you are and this is what you're going to do anyways. And I really think though, that's the thing that resonates the most whenever you tell those stories and I'll, I'll end on recommending if you want the best free will determinism stories I've ever seen that will like hurt your brain a lot. <laughs> Uh, have either of you seen Devs or Dark? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Devs. Yes. I haven't yes. seen uh, Devs, but I've seen Dark. Okay. And dark. Yeah. Violence. Dark. I will. I, I'll just for listeners, if you haven't seen Dark, Dark is a time travel show that will like bring a notepad, uh, because it is it hurts your brain. <laughs> but timelines ready. <laughs> exactly. It is. It is. A, it is uh, a great show. And I don't want to spoil too much, but it is a time travel show where different things happening at different times happen concurrently. So like when people go in, back in time, like the timelines of all three times move forward at the same moment. And what I love about that show in particular is there are times you see characters in the future of their time. Like you'll see a character in the past, like a past self and a future self of a character. And you'll sit there and go, why does they have, di they have completely different worldviews. And why would like the older one know, like be fighting against his younger self if he knows that that's what's going to happen anyways? Because everything in the show is already determined. It's not, nothing like breaks the rules of it. It's all like set in stone, uh, sort of things. And then you get to certain moments where the characters' ideologies do change, like moments where they like they have a big cathartic moment that like changes their point of view, and you're like, oh, I get it. I get why they now act like that in the future, even though they know this past stuff. And it just like, it just works so well. And the characterization is so well done, despite the complexities of the time travel. It's so good. Uh, and then devs is a show that I adore as well. It's a mini series about um, uh, basically like, uh, and you'll know the quantum physics more than I will, <laughs> Aaron. Um, but it, it's a, a show about like the idea of, uh, God, I did a whole video on it and now I can't remember it, but it's basically they make a machine using quantum mechanics that can kind of like see the future. 
uh, and like determine what the future is going to be. Uh, but it's based off of like the idea of uh, in, in quantum mechanics where like it's one thing or the other and you can kind of like yeah. it's like best guess technically. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Again, I did a thing on it, but I can't remember. <laughs> You'll know better than I will. <laughs> but it, it, it ties in all of that into ideas of this basically this mark zuckerberg type of character makes a machine that can see the future slightly and he sort of like gets stuck in it because he wants to try and create like his own sort of like way the world works but he gets kind of stuck in how it's supposed to be i need to go back and remember how to talk about it because it was a great show but it's wonderful yeah need to watch that and also i would plug foundation on apple Mm. tv plus um because that was based on an asimov thing but the idea of a society that's able to mathematically predict what their future is going to be. And then what happens when parameters enter that, that disrupt that plan. High recommend. I like that show. I have, I have some criticisms of it. Just right. Did a great video series about why it sometimes oh. messes with its own message, but we could do a whole last conversation, <laughs> yeah. but we're here for Star Trek. It's off season. We can do whatever we want. Y'all <laughs> we have no current, <laughs> No current show to talk about. Um, and and this is kind of, this feeds into it well. Besides uh, revisiting Star Trek and some of these other series, is there anything that you're watching or listening to right now that you are really enjoying? Oh, what am I watching now? I look. <laughs> I, I keep like, my note. Yeah, where's my notepad? Okay. I was like, it's drag race <laughs> season for me right now. We have all stars nice. on. Nice. Um, who I know we have some great uh drag race alumni who do some incredible cosplay that I always love seeing. Jackie Cox does a great job. Um <laughs> sorry. You just said nothing. We love Jackie. We, we love. very much love Jackie, and that's what I'll say right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm watching Ted Lasso, obviously, and mm-hmm. Succession and Yellow Jackets. Mm-hmm. Succession gotta... last week. Oh yeah. Succession. Secession, I lo- I was gonna mention Secession. Secession is such a good show at understanding how like being rich makes you completely miserable, uh, and like understands the dynamics of how like being rich is actually like a like a health problem in a in in a very real way of like they just aren't able to have actual human connections with anybody and it messes them up. Yeah, and then also how much power they actually have. Mm-hmm. Else. exactly and how, and how are all just pawns yeah how their petty squabbles like have huge ramifications yeah i still haven't watched succession yet i watched the first episode and i couldn't get into it but i i might have just had my i just come off of white lotus and i think i was just like mm-hmm. too many rich white people <laughs> yeah um, fair 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 but i was um <laughs> i was gonna recommend i don't know if y'all listen to this podcast it's from the cbc it's called let's make a sci-fi um oh. The first season was let's make a rom-com. And so, um, or maybe I have that flipped around. They've done two seasons. It's um, it's creators who are given a task and they record the whole process of them coming up and scripting and like trying to create a, a rom-com and a sci-fi. And it's um, it's really fun. It's really, really fun. Um, nice. So I thought great, you all might enjoy actually. that. Uh, which then segues, I can talk. All right. Um, <laughs> and to my last point is y'all are working on a short film together what can you share with us what can we what can we promote how can people help what what's going on yeah darren Jesse. do you want to start yeah no <laughs> do, you want me, do you want me to go so yeah i would say go for it i say okay. go for it so uh we oh, do you want me to say the thing i say go for it okay it's so close <laughs> okay yeah it, well i'll save that for the end then but since okay. he's already mentioned yeah i'll save it for i'll i'll i'll, I'll go through the spiel and the then I'll air save. of mystery I'm you're excited. going to get an exclusive uh by like <gasps> 12 hours uh because we're technically <laughs> announcing it tomorrow um but uh but anyways yes we are working on a short film called uh identities uh it is a, a script that i wrote and i'm directing uh, and Aaron is producing and she's freaking killing it, by the way. Uh, it's been it's been honestly kind of like a dream to work with Aaron because she's just so good at like doing all the things like connecting me with like amazing people. Like we, we've had meetings the past few weeks with like our full production team. Like and it's just been so cool to see this like team of people coming together that Aaron's like really helped and like spearheaded and getting everything done, doing all the stuff. It's just been, it's honestly been a dream come true. Uh, and I'm, I'm very ecstatic about it, especially because we're trying to make it very, very queer and, um, 
diverse, you know, behind the camera and in front of the camera as well. And it's just nice to like be able to just be part of that and like get to make something just really cool with cool people. Um, and the uh, since we we've kind of been like touching on weird like adjacent themes to it, it's almost as if it's in my brain a lot uh, to in terms of our conversations, because the film is about uh, a near future where everyone is sort of has to work in an online digital metaverse um, where everyone has to have basically these avatars that you go to work with. Um, and it's about how do people who are forced to present and exist a certain way who aren't actually that in real life, how do they find and express and understand themselves? It's basically sort of asking the question, how do you define yourselves when you're forced to live in a world of someone else's limited imagination of what humanity can be? Um, and I, and there's hopefully some cool twists and turns and it's very, very queer, but in a way that kind of what we were talking about with Deep Space Nine in that it's not like it, I, the story is expressly and literally queer with queer characters, but I also hope the themes sort of touch upon how everyone feels this way in our society today. That's sort of forcing us all to try to be a certain way for you name it, capitalism, you know, the, the world we live in right now that doesn't allow us to be seen as our full selves, but how we're supposed to function for the job, the state, the, the government, you know? And, and so I hope that that's, I hope that that's what the story is about, but in a joyous way, that's ultimately triumphant about like, this is the beauty and amazingness that humanity is in its totality. Um, so I'm very excited to be telling that story and to tell it with these, with everyone. Um, we've already announced an amazing cast of people. We have a few more people that we have not announced yet, but we have people like um, Jessica Nicole, if you're a huge Fringe fan, she's from that. Uh, we've announced Maggie Mae Fish here on YouTube. Um, I'm sure I'm going to miss someone, so apologies, but they're all a fantastic, fantastic, beautiful, amazing cast. Um, beautiful inside and out. They're all gorgeous, wonderful people. Um, but since you mentioned her earlier, I can announce, because we're announcing her tomorrow, is Jackie Cox is going to be playing a character in the uh, in the show or in the film, I should say. Um, so yeah, Jackie Cox is officially joining her oh cast and she's so uh, amazing. So yeah, yeah. we're oh. so excited. And we've been so honored, like across the board of people who have read Jesse's amazing script and just been like, I want to be a part of this. This sounds amazing. Like it feels so relevant. It feels so pertinent to the conversations that we have in our society about how we um yeah how we interact in a world that is forged by cis white straight men mm -hmm. and and what limitations that gives us when they are literally forming the worlds that we live in mm -hmm. and i just i think it's so relevant and it's just been so touching to see so many incredible actors across the board um just be like hell yeah i want to be part of this project and yeah. Yeah, I'm Jackie on top of it. I'm so excited about so that's Very your exclusive, Mariah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, as, as a gigantic drag race fan and drag fan, this is a perfect crossover episode and, yeah. and podcast to do it on. Um, I love it. I, I should also say because they'll probably they'll probably yell at me if I don't mention it, but if you yes. if you want to support us doing it, by the way, uh the film is being funded and distributed by Nebula. Which is a um, which is a streaming service that I'm a part of. They support me as a YouTuber. You can go on there and get like bonus YouTube content and things like that from not just myself, but a bunch of other wonderful, amazing, and very diverse creators as well on their platform. Uh, and they are absolutely amazing in like supporting us. Like Aaron has meetings with them every week, and she comes back to me and is like, "Yeah, they had all these cool like uh, things, and like they're not dictating anything that we get to do, but <laughs> no, they are always like great. yes ending in a, in a really wonderful way." Um, so yeah, if you want to support the project. Uh, go sign up for Nebula, um, preferably with the and identities at link. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say, if you search for identities in Nebula or you look up Jesse on Nebula, mm -hmm. you'll get a discount. I think a dis discount. Yeah, you get a discount. Uh, here, yeah. I'll, <laughs> yeah. I was like, if you put it. Just, if you put wares, it, I'll, I'll get the actual put information. It, can we put it? Yeah, somewhere. Yeah, I was like, if you put it in the private chat, I can post it in the in okay. the regular chat. And I'll also that. put it in the in the notes for the podcast. <laughs> And yeah, I mean, honestly, Nebula has been fantastic. And for them to support this, this is one of the first big like narrative projects they've done. Um, but they also did a great, um, what was it? A theatrical filming of The Prince by mm -hmm. Abigail Thorne from Philosophy Tube, 
which was like a queer trans story about Shakespeare. And it's a like, Shakespeare multiverse trans queer story. Yeah. Like, yeah. Sign me up, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so their support of these types of stories to be told has just been fantastic. And we're so excited. So we're filming in August. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you'll, if you sign up through Nebula, you'll get some behind the scenes updates as we go up to and through the filming. And then the whole film will be on Nebula soonish soonish the goal yeah, is the goal is probably er- <laughs> yeah my, my guess is the film will be said and done by the end of the year and then probably on nebula sometime early next year would probably be the yeah. best guess at the moment so. yeah um, amazing well we'll have to um have you back definitely to come and talk about it once it's out but hopefully again before that too mm-hmm. um was there anything else you all would like to promote and i'm gonna put this link in the chat um while y'all yeah, do i just that. copied and pasted the the, the 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 like the promotional stuff that they send me so <laughs> love it um yeah i mean the only other thing i think i wanted to mention that we didn't really get a chance to talk about was just star trek prodigy i oh, i don't yes. think a lot of people have had a chance to really watch it um i appreciate that the first two-parter episode feels very like another star franchise and I feel personally, I feel like that was intentional. I don't know if that was or not, but to draw kids in who have been watching that other franchise. And then it just backhands you in episode three and is like, nope, Star Trek. <laughs> was it you that was it you that told me that was like the best way to describe it was either you or someone who's like the best way to describe Prodigy is Star Wars characters learning how to do Star Trek. Someone else told me and I told you. Yes, that's right? what it was. <laughs> that is a really good description. Yeah. That is the best description. And the characters are so wonderful and near and dear to my heart. And all 20 episodes of season one are available. And I highly recommend you share that with especially kids, I would say probably eight to twelve who have a love for science and may connect with some of the characters in that. So I just have to plug that as well. As a fully grown human, though a child at heart, uh, I will say I also adore and uh, legitimately I I always say like I think the like animated sides of every franchise are kind of where like the franchises like kind of like keep fan in the flames, even when like live action stuff sometimes can be like mixed or like be weird or whatever. Like I always feel like like look at Star Wars. So much of what they're doing in live action now is like what they were doing in the Clone Wars, like mm-hmm. Ahsoka yeah. and all that jazz. Based um, on the animated stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So like Prodigy and Lower Decks, but Prodigy especially too is just like I think where like a lot of like the coolest and most interesting and most like strangest stuff is happening in Star Trek. And I adore that show as well. Like Rock Talk is an oh, absolute my heart. joy. Yeah. My so. heart. I love her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, all of the characters are a delight. Um, the voice actors do an incredible job. It's so mm-hmm. much fun. Mur- who doesn't want Murph in their life? Mm-hmm. Come on now. You gotta have right. some Murph time. Who and doesn't, um, Murph? Who doesn't want Murph? Murph. Oh my god, I'm <laughs> Murph. Um, yeah, and and it's beautiful. It's just such a beautifully made yeah. show. Like the background, all of the animation, all the um the designs and of the characters and the backgrounds are beautiful. So and I and think Jane last thing. And Jane Jane Way, Way, obviously. Yeah. Uh, last thing I will say is watch Strange New Worlds, June 15th, and also support your writers who write yeah. all of this awesome mm-hmm. stuff, who are currently on strike, trying to get better deals. I have seen the system degrade over the last five years. It is important. It is crucial. We want living wages. Um, and if you want good content, support the people who make it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are many resources. I think people can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Aaron Mack. I'm retweeting a lot of ways that people can support the strike, um, especially if you're not in L.A. And if you are in L.A. or New York or Chicago or Atlanta, I think there's a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, look it up. You can go to the picket line. It's OK if you're not a TV writer. You can go and support and be, they would love to have you. There's no worries at all. So it's a great time. I went today to the picket line at Netflix. Um, it was lovely as someone who just works in periphery industries and everyone was so happy and delighted to have extra bodies. I got my way over my 10,000 steps in. <laughs> <laughs> um, so wear comfortable shoes. Um, but yeah, it was, um, you know, you're there in solidarity. So obviously there's messaging to learn and, and make sure you're, you're asking the captains who are there for what they're fighting for. So if anyone mm-hmm. asks you questions, make sure you're directing it to all the right people because they want to make sure all the correct messaging is getting out. So 
Um, but yeah, going to the picket line is a great way to, to show solidarity if you can. Um, Jesse, anything else? You have an incredible YouTube channel. Yeah, thank you. I was just going to echo first, like, again, support the writers. They're amazing. Um, I'm trying to get some writers on uh, my channel to be able to talk about the strike, but they're super busy, understandably so. So, well, uh, hopefully that'll happen, but I will also try and be on the picket line uh, when I come down to L.A. So it'll also be great. So, yeah, support the writers. Um but yeah, no, uh, if you want to support me, you can, uh, again, sign up at Nebula is probably like the most direct thing if you want to, you know, put money towards uh, towards supporting me uh, and this project that we're doing. But also beyond that, I have a channel uh, called Jesse Gender, uh, where I do sort of video essay type of stuff. Um, generally try to talk about like social and political issues through nerddoms and geekdoms. But just because the way the world is at the moment, uh, I also talk very expressly uh, and openly about like trans and LGBTQ issues, just because that's kind of necessary given, you know, the state of trans rights and LGBTQ rights generally right now. Um, so I try to write a bunch of those things that I hope are very emotional and moving and, and also uh, and educational. Uh, but also then I just try and be a weird nerd. So if you like any of that sounds appealing to you, go subscribe to, to Jesse Gender. Please do. Thank you both so much again for being with us tonight. I so appreciate your time. I'm so excited for the short film. I cannot wait to watch it. Um, I'll be signing up for Nebula uh, once I get my next uh, paycheck. And Yay, <laughs> hell yeah. Very exciting. Thank you all to everyone who joined us in the live chat. We appreciate you so much for all of your questions and kind words. We will be back in two weeks with another podcast. I haven't decided what we're doing yet, but we'll be doing something fun as we're preparing for strange new worlds. Um, and then we'll be back to our week to week content. Uh, until next time, y'all live long and prosper. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.